Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Three Little Things podcast. My name is Sarah and I'm joined with my co-host Lily and we are back for another wonderful episode and this one I'm quite excited about. So I'll let Lily introduce our guest who is a returning guest, very much asked again by our audience. So Lily. Dr. Adele Vincent from Tassie, who who I met a couple of years ago at a pediatric conference and I was so taken by the way you approach um, health coming from the very straight-laced uh, being a PhD in neuroscience. So I will refer our listeners back to your previous episodes so that they know um, where you come from and where you're going and to the future. And now the space in which you work regarding healthcare, which I think it's very, very progressive and um, very cutting edge. And one day in 50 years time, we'll probably be very mainstream, but right now we're not quite in the mainstream. Would you say Adele? Uh, I think we're getting there. Hopefully, mm. Yes, we're definitely getting there. But that's but, why we yeah, love there's you. A long way to go. Well, that's why you're so effective because you actually bridged that big chasm um, of the left and right brain approach. And you have all that amazing um, neuroscience and having done your PhD in it and been in high end lab. And then now working in this kind of um, health approach, you you hold the language for both, which I think is a very powerful position to be in. So shall we jump into yes. um, epigenetics? Yeah, tell us, what what is epigenetics? Yeah, love to. So epigenetics is a word that keeps getting bandied around a lot now. We hear it a lot, but it, we don't necessarily know what it really means. And if we look, we need to go and look at the actual science of what it means to get a better understanding. Uh, but that doesn't have to be complicated. We can put it into a nutshell. So basically you can define epigenetics as modifications that occur on DNA without changing the DNA itself, the actual letters of the DNA. So the alphabet doesn't change, but it's decorated differently. And that decoration changes the way it's expressed, whether it's expressed at all or a lot or in between. So it's the regulation of the DNA. And an additional level to that is that the the modifications, uh, well, traditionally, the modifications need to be heritable, as in need to be able to be passed on to the to the next uh, generation to, to call them epigenetic. But it seems like more and more that epigenetics is being used as a way of describing how we change our DNA that can affect our own life and health and well-being and isn't all of it necessarily passed on. Some of it will be but maybe not all of it. And I think that broader definition is quite useful because it gives us the feeling that there's a lot we can do to change our epigenetics and and improve our our disease burden just by our lifestyle. Mm, So it takes away that. Yeah, yeah, it's liberating because we don't have to think, I have to take, uh, you know, there's no cure or there's, I have to take these drugs for the rest of my life. That's not necessarily the case. Depends on what it is, but there are often options that we can we can do to optimize it. So, so back to the actual epigenetics. 
there's there's a number of different types of epigenetic modifications that can occur on DNA. So the first, the biggest one probably is chromatin, where the DNA is compacted tightly into chromosomes. And that sort of, that compaction can change whole big swathes of genes. Or they could all be missing. They could be missing if there are pieces of the chromatin that's missing. So in some of the genetic diseases, or there's degrees of that. Then there's also what everyone has is histone modification. So within the chromatin or the DNA, the way it's wrapped up, we've got histone proteins and the DNA is wrapped around the histones. And the more tightly packed they are, the less accessible those, those bits of DNA are, those genes are to the transcription factors, which then create proteins. Yep. So methylation tightens the um, the histone wrapping. And the other one is called acetylation, which relaxes the histone wrapping. And that can turn on genes or activate the genes. And both of these things are reversible. Then on top of that, there's another layer called DNA methylation, where the methylation can actually attach to the DNA itself rather than the histones. And that creates another whole level of, of regulation. And this one tends to be blocking again blocking transcription but at a very um sort of more of a long-term repression so the histones is a more of a short term DNA methylation is a sort of a short a longer term and then another one one more there are non-coding rnas which are called micro rnas or miRNAs, and these are rna molecules that come from that that lovely part of the DNA that we used to be called junk DNA because they didn't know what it did. Now we know that it does stuff. And one of the things is to code for RNA that doesn't make proteins but can attach to RNA of transcribed genes and block its translation and then make it break down. So that's a way of of having a gene that's turned on and being expressed into protein but different levels of the amount of protein that can be made. So it's like a, it's like dialing up and down. The, the overview is that there's quite a few different mechanisms and they're all working at all the time on all our DNA throughout our whole genome in every cell. So this is not something that is uh, unusual or very specific. Epigenetics is across the board as a regulation of DNA. It's just how we regulate our DNA. It's, it's what we do. It's what our body does. So that brings me to what processes epigenetics um, are involved in. And I've just given away the answer uh, mm -hmm. because basically it's it's in everything. It's So it, if we look at normal regulation of epigenetics where it's working properly, then it's evolved throughout development. So for example, stem cell differentiation into all the different stem cells or different cell types. It's involved in all the cellular functions. So for example, it might be neuronal synaptic activity or or our behavior or our memory, just to name some neuroscience ones because it's where I came from. Uh, and it's also involved in aging, like normal aging throughout the whole biological lifespan from development through to, through, to aging and death. So it's continuous, but it can be dysregulated. And that's where we find that there are lots of different diseases which we might think are genetic or there's some component of genetic, like gene actual genetic mutations where the, the letters of the DNA change are mutated, or 
there's this other level where the epigenetics can go wrong. And this can happen in many, many different diseases. So for example, it can happen in lots of different cancers where uh, we're getting cell de-differentiation due to, to damage of DNA or cells, which can create the cancer, but it can be regulated through epigenetics. So for one, just one example is uh, the BRCA1 gene, which is many people know about involved in breast cancer. So that can be mutated as an actual genetic mutation, but it also can be methylated incorrectly, in which case it's an epigenetic dysfunction, dysregulation, which can create the cancer. And then there's lots of other chronic diseases like the autoimmune diseases, neurological and psychiatric diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, schizophrenia, addiction, depression, obesity, IBS, IBD, irritable bowel disease, cardiovascular disease. There's developmental defects that can be epigenetic in origin. There's allergy and asthma. There's infections where the pathogens can alter our gene expression via epigenetic modifications. So there's this, there's a whole host of, of epigenetic dysregulation that can create d- disease. And I, have a, I found a good paper on this, actually. Um, it's called Role of Epigenetics in Biology and Human Diseases. I don't know if you'd be interested to put that in the bio, perhaps, yes. mm-hmm. if you like. Yep, yeah, definitely. a link yep. to it. That's all um, a bit scary, I guess. So what can we do about it? There's there's negative lifestyle influences and there's positive. So let's go to the negative first, get the bad news over, and then we can come <laughs> to the positive about what we can actually do about it. The, the main culprits are the ones you'd think of, things like smoking and obesity, being sedentary, drinking alcohol, particularly in excess, um, environmental pollutants, stress, poor sleep, working night shifts, and all of these can affect our body throughout our whole life. And also the baby, if we're pregnant, the baby in utero as well. So that can affect people even before they're born. Basically anything that affects us negatively in our life will be affecting our epigenetics. Hmm. But the, the good news is that there's lots we can, because of the fact that it's affecting our life, our lifestyle affects our epigenetics, we can also tip the balance the other way where we can do things that positively influence our epigenetics. So again, these are probably things that everyone's aware of. We just need to have a little reminder. So for example, our diet is very important in our epigenetic um, regulation of of our genetics. Things like reducing the free radicals and oxidative stress that can damage DNA and proteins. For example, the um, having a, a plant-based diet can give us lots of polyphenols and antioxidants that can help to prevent damage to DNA. And that damage, some of it will be mutations of the genetic code, but a lot of it will be epigenetic modifications and influencing that. And it's also very important to get all of the micronutrients that we need, things like trace elements like selenium and and folate, B12, things like that, that all make our bodies function smoothly Mm. and prevent damage and and build up of of issues. Will you be giving us specific specific examples or should our um, audience be going to their own practitioners? It's best if you go to your own practitioners because I don't know, I can't give advice to any any particular person because I don't know their history. Obviously, I'm not talking to them or seeing them. So it's definitely best to go to your own practitioners for that because 
everybody is different and everybody needs different things. And one person might need more of a meat-based diet. More, some people might need more of a plant-based diet. And it just, it really depends on what you need and what your condition is and what your history is, the whole works. So yes, this is not designed to be um, any sort of specific lifestyle advice, just more of a general overview of what we can work on to improve our epigenetics and our, our health in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you've given us some beautiful points at the beginning about the science of epigenetics. And I've written five things down here. So I'm kind of just following you, which is um, not as unusual for me, but um, I'm just wondering, <laughs> and, and our audience will be, what we want for them is to come away feeling like they have some agency and they don't feel doomed. Um, but then also mm -hmm. the compelling evidence regarding how to turn genes on and off. I mean, you've mentioned methylation and oxidative stress. So these was a sort of becoming more commonly used. And as in the beginning, we discussed, we wanted our podcast to have a whole bunch of magazine words, but pretty high-end magazine words in the end. They're not just sort of um, about you know, other things. <laughs> but mm. um, all I was trying to say in the end was please keep talking, um, but we do encourage our patients to, or our audience to go and seek out, well, your second episode will be about TCM. So, so to seek out various practitioners of those disciplines to have it tailor-made. But then I want to throw in one thing here, and that is um, the cost of um, doing a lot of these things. You see, the way our health system is now, there's just so much money going into emergency medicine when we've fallen off the cliff. A lot of this stuff that you and I are talking about and Sarah are talking about has to do with being before that even comes close to the cliff edge and maybe making babies that, you know, hopefully are, are healthier than they could be. And all these things have a health dollar attached to them, don't they? Mm. Yes. They do. But the good news is that there is a lot we can find out for ourselves and I was going to touch on that more in the second part where we can do a lot of research for ourselves and educate ourselves about healthy lifestyles. And we don't, it's good to have trusted therapists who can help us, but a lot of it does come down to understanding our own body and mind and how that works and learning from the long history of say, for example, Eastern philosophies and the, the the style of health that is preventative rather than emergency, as you're saying. And there's a so, program yes, there is now, a lot we can learn. Yeah, there's a program now that's so um, in vogue is the Blue Zones. Um, I'm sure, Adele, you've heard of it. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, it's very light on, but at least we're starting to think along the lines of, well, there may be some wisdom in all these uh, ancient um, practices, and we've always used the triad of health to help um, our community understand the three areas that we all need to look at, you know, which is structurally and neurologically, and then um, our biochemistry, and then our mental emotional state, you know. So I think in episode two of your um, talk, you'll, you'll help us through that little process. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. more so, definitely. I was actually about to mention how behavior and mindset, so so we've talked yeah. about diet positively influencing the epigenetics. There's also exercise, which is a very physical-based one, which also helps to reduce oxidative stress in the body and increase the expression of tumor suppressor genes so that we have less risk of cancer. But then we get to the behavior and the mindset 
and that's another whole level where it's not a, it's not a physical level it's more of an emotional energetic uh, mental level or even a spiritual level where we can improve our body function and our our whole being by by having a positive mindset and doing some of those alternative therapies that really help to Im holistically improve our health so things like yoga mindfulness meditation deprogramming ourselves from trauma whether that's mild or severe through all those really great techniques that are becoming more and more accepted in in western mainstream things like clinical emotional freedom technique or tapping eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or emdr and hypnosis and and um net neuroemotional technique so these aspects help to they help to reset our our whole body holistically and and it's sort of a high end we're working at the high end the, the mental and the spiritual level but if we can influence that mental spiritual level then we can change everything down from there so from from the the energy and the the physical structure of the body we can influence it from the top down or we can start with things like diet and exercise and work and and yoga physical yoga and work from the bottom up or body up and ideally we do both at once where we're dealing with the emotions and the the mental side as well as the physical side of our life and we're working to optimize our bodies and minds functioning which will then collectively give us absolutely the best chance of optimizing our epigenetics and our our whole way of being in the world yeah i think we covered a lot of that in your other episodes too i mean for our audience who don't know um adele has written this or co-written this beautiful book called butterflies and butterflies be gone yeah and and our audience in our practice they just love it um, and we did cover quantum mechanics and quantum physics in our previous episodes too. So what we're trying to say here is that nothing sounds, nothing is woo-woo. It's just that um, gradually our language will um, evolve to, to embrace these concepts and to explain them really clearly. But right now, sometimes it will sound to some people like it's in that zone where it's nebulous, but you know, there's so much evidence to show that it's not, you know, it's, it's real and it works. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've got a paper here that's um, called the potential positive epigenetic effects of various mind body therapies, a mm. narrative review. So it's, it's in the science now where we can affect um, those sort of nebulous things, as you say, and it can affect our epigenetics and it's being studied scientifically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's getting there and i'm a little bit biased because i'm living and working in this space so i i sort of see it all the time but i it does seem like more and more there are more papers coming out that talk about epigenetics um lifestyle how mm. we live our lives you know how we behave everything and and it's no it's no longer a separate a separation really a distinct separation between the Eastern and the Western philosophies. Mm. And yeah. we just, we don't have to believe it necessarily if we're not ready to, or we don't accept it. What we need to do is work on our own self, whatever level that's at, whether that's the diet or the, the physical exercise or just going to yoga once a week, 
mm. or working on a bit of emotional stuff from childhood, whatever that is, and that will slowly help to clear out our system, our body and our mind of the traumas that and the and the, the influences of our past life that continue to affect us in, in every level from epigenetics all the way up to, you know, our mental space. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast earlier today, Adele, I haven't finished it, but it was um, by Marcus Pierce on his podcast, a hundred not out. And he was discussing longevity and he described it really beautifully in the beginning of the episode. And he talked about how as a society, we're becoming obsessed with this idea of longevity and obviously epigenetics comes into that. But at the same time, we're very fearful of, you know, turning 40 or when we're 40, we're scared of turning 50. And this idea of mentally, we're really stressed and we're living very much in the future of being scared and anxious of aging for whatever reason. Um, And maybe it's because we might have um, things like, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia in our history or cancer in our family history. And we're scared of those things happening. Um, But the way he described it, I thought was really powerful because it comes back to exactly what you said about epigenetics is that it's giving people hope and empowerment that they can shift and change things in their lifestyle to have a positive influence on the way they're going to age and the way they're going to have or what quality of life they're going to have going forward. So I just really liked how he described it of like, you know, we're obsessed with this idea of longevity, yet we're scared of aging. And that just doesn't make any sense. Mm. And there's a lot more information about aging now as well. That's becoming more mainstream. Mm, definitely. How, we, can, how we, we don't have to age in the way that we necessarily expect to age. It's it's a bit of a fallacy that's a Western Western thing. Like the Blue Zone shows us that people can live healthy lives, active lives, till they're quite elderly, like mm. surprisingly old. Yeah, but definitely. it is it is definitely a possibility for the human race. Yeah, well, I was at a festival on the weekend. I was at a weird women festival on um, just this weekend, gone in a really beautiful piece of bushland. And the panel that I was asked to be on this time, I've been there three times now, um, was on death. And the young woman who invited me to speak on that knows my history with my family and the various death steps happened there. But in the end, although the whole room or the pavilion was crying, uh, (laughs) sorry, um, (laughs) what was imparted was the middle bit of our lives. So we were conceived, you know, two cells came together. What a miracle that is. Um, By the way, we die. And so beginning and middle and end, and it's the middle juicy bit that that's the fun bit, you know, Mm -hmm. and listening to you, Adele, and talking about epigenetics in our next episode um, will be a lot of fun because to me, it's it's a joy of what we have or what we can influence. You know, we, we can't change the world, but we can change the world within us. And I feel that that's what's the most interesting thing for me and, and, you know, working with my patients. So we look forward to your three little things for this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we are going to be very excited to go to the next one. Well, the three little things that I have for this episode are firstly that the only constant is change. And that includes our epigenetic control of gene expression. And therefore, number two, we have an enormous potential, as you just said, to positively influence our health and our well-being through epigenetics by living a good lifestyle. So it's it's our choice, essentially. And so we have that power. That's that's the, the main take-home from this, really, is that we have the power to make the changes if we want to. And then number three, if you don't know how and you experience symptoms, you, you don't know what's causing them 
then it's important to ask and, and search for a way to overcome symptoms because symptoms are just a sign that something's not right in the body and the, or the mind and that we it's asking for us to do something differently in our habits, in our lifestyle. And so searching for, for reputable sources for what might be going on, practitioners or books or podcasts or maybe even Google, probably shouldn't mm -hmm. say that, but <laughs> it is a good going to. Uh, and looking at from all angles and perspectives and, and keeping an open mind so that we, we're looking at our symptoms, not just from a very narrow perspective of it has to be proven by science or I'm not going to look at it versus, oh, try that and see what happens or just entertain the idea that there's other options for how to deal with something. Hmm. And then maybe it'll shift. Maybe I'll see a change. So. Hmm. Those are my three little things. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you, Adele. Um, I know our listeners will absolutely love that episode and they will um, definitely look forward to hearing you in part two. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A quick disclaimer. These episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns. <laughs>